Hello, and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, and it's my pleasure to join Lori Pinkowski every two weeks to talk about financial and estate planning, travel, hobbies, and so much more. Whether you are planning for retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. And Lori, when it comes to retirement, a lot of people tend to focus only on accumulating enough assets. One aspect that's often overlooked is planning for how to begin withdrawing from your retirement nest egg. Yeah, John, we get this question so often. You know, people are getting ready to retire or think about retirement, but they really have a lot of questions surrounding income. How am I actually going to pay myself? How does that money arrive from my portfolio to my bank account? And and how does that work? And so, you know, it's really important to have that withdrawal strategy planned out. And you really can't do that without a, a financial plan and talking to a financial advisor to really help you on that. And as we know, life expectancy is increasing, which means people are retired for longer periods. Many people are going to be retired for one third of their life, John. So we need to plan ahead. We don't want anybody outliving their money, which I've never had, just so you know. No one's ever had to go back to work at uh, 85 (laughs) or anything like that because we're planning properly for them. This, along with rising inflation, should encourage you to set up a good withdrawal strategy. And you've worked your whole life to save enough money to finally retire, to enter that exciting stage of life. But again, having that personalized withdrawal plan, you'll be sure to get the maximum benefit from your savings throughout your retirement and provide you peace of mind. Yeah, I don't want you telling me when I'm 90 that I have to go back and look for a radio job because that's just not on. <laughs> but in your line of work, you probably could still continue uh, at age <laughs> well, 90. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much for saying so. Uh, to- yes. Today on Ready, Set, Retire, we will be talking about retirement withdrawal strategies and retirement income planning. So why is planning your income important if you want to reach your retirement goals, Lori? So it's important to income plan to ensure that you really have adequate cash flows so that there are no surprises or shortfalls in the future. And and that's really important. And knowing exactly how you can spend allows you really to make those kind of informed financial decisions. You know, can you afford to buy a cabin, a boat? Can you afford to go on a trip to Africa or stay more local, buy an RV? These are all real requests. Can I afford to do this? And in our line of work here, because we're dealing with so many people that are close to retired or, or already retired, We want to give proper, insightful responses and really crunch those numbers. How is this going to affect your retirement if you buy an RV or a boat, for example? And so, you know, it's important as you approach retirement, how we're going to figure out where that income is going to come from. In retirement, generally, the amount of income you need starts with how much you spend. So that's usually one of our first questions. How much are you spending? And not everybody knows, nor do we need the exact answer to that. A lot of people go, well, I don't budget. And I would say most of our clients aren't budgeters. They've just been spending what they need. 
until we start asking and they're like, oh, now, now I have to be accountable for uh, for my spending. Uh Oh, and no, we're not going to be looking in your bank accounts. We're not getting that detailed. <laughs> we just need a general number. And often what we see is anywhere between kind of five to 10,000 a month, I would say. And remember, that could include pensions, CPP, OAS. It's not all coming out of someone's portfolio. And then there's, of course, outliers. There's could be people who are very frugal who don't spend much money at all. And then we have people who spend more. They still, you know, they retired early. They may have kids that they're spending on, which as we all know, kids are costly. So those are different types of scenarios that we see. And and then also there's, there's usually an amount for travel. There's a wide variation, but I say anywhere between 10 and 30,000 is kind of what we see annually. And that could be all different types of travel. But as we've said, you just don't know if you have enough to retire unless you know how much you're going to need in retirement. So that is the first kind of question you got to ask yourself. Well, how is it uh, that someone can project how much future income uh, they can take? Because this is one of the problems that I had, as you well know, is trying to figure out, well, how much am I going to need 20 years from now or, or even God forbid, 30 years from now. <laughs> well, it's it's a little bit of facts in terms of having the right numbers for the financial plan, but it's also taking into account inflation. We need to give people a pay raise every year, realistically, and that wasn't really brought to the forefront as much as it has been in 2022. And even now, we had inflation at 9% almost here in Canada. And so when people are going, you know, I'm a little tight on money this month, it was because things were going up and, you know, you're used to getting this income, but you actually needed a bit more. So in a financial plan, accounting for inflation over those 20, 30 years is a big deal. And so with the software that we use, that financial planners use, that accounts for that, as well as tax, John. So that terrible word tax that we're all feeling right now as we're in April, tax, we have to account for that because the way that we're going to be withdrawing money for everybody and everyone's got a unique situation, different amounts of tax are going to be taken off of that. So we have to account for that as well. And also to plan for your future income needs, it's important for us as your financial team to really understand, do you have plans for renovation, early gifting to adult children, lump sum expenses, a new car, a new roof, all of those things we're asking when we're putting together a detailed financial plan. And so when you stop working, you essentially transition from getting paid to paying yourself. And this is a normal course of the way things go. Yet it is hard for people to fathom, especially early on in retirement. When they're contemplating the idea of retirement, they start to get a bit anxious thinking about where that income is going to come from. I was just going to say a financial plan will, I think, alleviate some of that concern because people can then see, well, I'll get so much from my pension. I'll get so much from the government, the various buckets, as you call them. Yeah, exactly. Your income is higher than the OAS income threshold amount for the year. Of course, they're going to start clawing it back, which in retirement, people just can't stand this OAS clawback. And so it starts at 86912 and OAS is totally clawed back if your income is higher than 142000 And again, really, OAS is meant for lower income Canadians. That's why it's there. And so when we talk about those different buckets, different accounts kind of in retirement where you would be withdrawing your income from, buckets could be your RIF, your RSP, your TFSA, 
any company pensions, government pensions, uh, even rental income, corporate accounts, trust accounts. So all of those we're looking at what is the best mix in order to get someone's income from locked in RSPs is another one, of course. And so what we're doing is really developing a, a concrete strategy for when and how much to draw from each of your accounts in order to minimize tax now, but also plan for the future when we're looking at estate planning. And so a lot of time goes into figuring out how much one needs and how we're going to get it to them. But again, this is something that as a client or as an investor, you shouldn't be figuring out. You should be leaving it to the professionals to help you along. All right. So what are the steps in coming up with a withdrawal plan? Well, our first step to creating that sort of plan is to understand the entire financial picture. So we're, we start by taking an inventory of how much you actually spend, as I was saying, and giving us a ballpark number even. And, and that's going to change throughout life. You know, we've talked about people spend more in early retirement than they do when they're 85, usually. And so that's something to keep in mind. The way to ensure that the financial plan is conservative is to take the same amount you would spend at 65 and take it all the way up to age 100. However, my experience is that when people are 85 and 90 years old, they are not spending 5,000 a month, nor are they spending 10,000 a month or anywhere in between there. You know, people do bring up assisted care or assisted living, and that is true as well, uh, that there are costs for that that we can plan for later on. But that's not for usually 10 or 15 years. It's for much less than that. And so people tend not to think that way. People want to stay in their homes longer and likely will be going forward, especially because COVID maybe changed people's minds of how they want to live going forward as they age. Then again, we ask, what are your goals and objectives in the plan? So this is always a, a fun one when I ask, you know, how much do you care about leaving money to your children? Do you like your children? Do you get along with them? Do you like their spouses? People are usually often a little surprised with those questions. But what I'm trying to understand is, and a lot of people believe I'll spend what I have for us or me on retirement and whatever's left is left for the beneficiaries. However, there are others who think differently, John. Some people are going, I want to leave as much as possible. I want to give them their start in life. I want money to move from generation to generation. So that's why it's important to have that conversation, which I don't know that all advisors uh, ask that. And when you think about people in retirement and their goals, there is sometimes that happy amount between having a good time in retirement and leaving an inheritance for the children. And I'm trying to figure out what is that happy amount. Then we compare the information to the size of your total portfolio, your investments, but we also want to understand your real estate, your business assets, everything goes into the financial plan. And for us to determine how much income you can withdraw or is the amount that you're requesting, is that in line? And finally, coming up with that strategy to receive the income you need to live your retirement dreams, live that retirement life that you want to. And the last part is setting up the income stream, John, is actually having the documentation done so that people are receiving income on a regular basis, the 1st or the 15th or whatever day they choose, that income is going to flow from the accounts here into their accounts at the bank. And therefore, then they can spend happily in retirement once that's all figured out. Okay, so what are the typical accounts that retirees will withdraw from and uh, what's the difference between them? 
Everyone's situation is so different. And there's a lot of different types of accounts out there, non-registered accounts, tax-free savings accounts, RSPs, locked-in RSP, uh, deferred profit-sharing plans, corporate accounts, uh, trust accounts. I guess the most common place that people start withdrawing income from, besides a pension uh, that would be coming to them, and government benefits is the non-registered account versus the registered accounts. And what is that happy medium there? Because you want to draw down your registered accounts, i.e. your RIF or RSP, slowly over time so that there's not a big tax bill at the end of your days. And what can happen if you withdraw too much of your non-registered money, you end up with just registered money. And so if you do want to make a large purchase like a boat or an RV or a cabin or something, there's going to be too much tax to withdraw a large lump sum out of a registered account. So even our software program often takes income directly from that non-registered account first. And the reason is, is because it's not a tax shelter. You're paying tax on that growth every year, whether it's the interest, the dividends, the capital gains. But again, we feel just doing this for 22 years now that having a mix of non-registered and registered, if possible, makes the most amount of sense. And then, of course, some people have corporate accounts and trust accounts. That brings in even more complexity. And often we're talking to accountants as well. We're involving them in making the decision on where it is best to take income from for this particular retiree. And should it be the same or do we review it every year? And, and those are are questions that we answer on a regular basis. And I guess the rule of thumb too for tax-free savings accounts I should throw out there, that's usually generally not a place that you want to take your income from. And the reason is, is it's great for estate planning purposes. It grows and grows and grows tax-free. And then you can give it to whoever, whoever you want at the end of your days when you turn into an angel, you can give it to whoever you want tax-free. So again, that is the idea behind TFSAs. Well, Laurie, everyone's life situation is different, and so there are always exceptions to the rule. And I guess that's why it's important to speak with your financial advisor as soon as possible to come up with a withdrawal plan together. Yeah, exactly. You know, everyone's situation is very unique, and it is important to have that conversation as early as you can, because we want to ensure that those withdrawals are, are as tax efficient as possible if there is a choice. Again, sometimes there's not. Sometimes people have very low amounts in their non-registered accounts or joint accounts and they have more in register because that's where they've saved their entire life, either through their company or they saved through RSP contributions. And so that always brings up that question, should I be contributing to my RSP when I'm 63 years old? and still working or 67. And those are conversations we have often because you're getting that tax incentive to make that contribution. But remember, you're taking it out full pop. And then if you're in your 60s, it doesn't have years and years of tax-free growth. It just has a few years. So it may not make sense. But that, again, depends on how high your income is. And so looking at those withdrawals year over year is important. Looking at the amount that you're withdrawing and staying within those means too, for some people, it is sometimes worrisome for people when they're spending or they're buying some big ticket items early on in retirement. But again, if we have planned for it, it's okay. You know, we update financial plans when sometimes there's larger purchases or somebody all of a sudden needs a new car. We're looking at that 
that. And as I said, John, we're actually really crunching the numbers. I have a financial planner on the team, as you know. We've got one in the firm and I work with an independent financial planner. So we've got a big team of financial planners that are able to answer really any question that's out there. And so it's important to just always have that open communication and make sure that you have a plan for those withdrawals as you go through retirement. And really, I think a lot of it depends on just what your objective is in retirement, whether you want to travel, whether you don't want to travel. Uh, Fortunately, uh, Kristen and I did a lot of traveling while I was still working at CKNW. And so, you know, we've been to a lot of the places that we wanted to see. And as we said earlier, everybody's situation is slightly different. Everybody's objective, uh, everybody's thought process about retirement is just a little bit different. And so you need to take all those things into consideration. Yeah. And, you know, I really enjoy speaking to people about their plans for retirement. I find it so interesting how everybody dreams a different dream, really, you know, and you say that you traveled a lot. And I find a lot of retirees have traveled a lot. And so they actually want to stay closer to home some. It really depended on how life went before retirement. How many kids did they raise? All that kind of stuff. Were they really busy doing that? And so it's always interesting really getting in depth with people to find out how they vision their retirement. And, and then for us, finding the solution, how can we make this happen for you? That's exciting. You know, I mean, we deal with the stock market every day, deciding what to buy, what to sell. And that's uh, programmed into us. But the talking to people about their lives, their families and all that kind of stuff is also a very enjoyable part of my job. I like doing that. I like having a plan. As my team knows, they love having a plan too and and making sure that our clients are well taken care of and that money hits their bank account when they're expecting it. We want them to feel secure with the income that they're receiving and the amounts. And that's why we take so much time to figure all of this out for them. Well, that's one of the things that I think you do best is really finding out what makes people tick and what their individual situation is. You become really very closely involved. You become a friend on some level, just one who has a whole heck of a lot of financial knowledge, which I think puts uh, people at ease. Yeah, thanks, John. I appreciate that. Yes, I'm uh... I become a friend, even a family member sometimes, you know, it's uh, sometimes I'm too involved. But the reason I do that is because in order to provide the best advice that we can, we need to put ourselves in that position and get people to open up. And for some reason, people don't mind opening up to me usually. So that works. And then I, we're, we're able to do what we do for them. So that's great. And, you know, the best thing you can always do if you're concerned about anything in terms of your finances, your income is to make sure that you're communicating with your financial team, with a financial team that can steer you in the right direction as you move through different stages of life. I can't say that enough. Um, Managing portfolios is what we do day to day. It's the other stuff that we get more questions about and you have to have the right team to be able to answer those questions in order for you to feel good going into retirement, getting income in retirement and going through those different stages. Absolutely. A detailed financial plan acts as a roadmap to get you through the different stages of life so that you can feel confident knowing that you can achieve all your financial goals. And so we're going to end with a quote again, John, and I've got a good one for our topic today. Oh, Oh yes. <laughs> uh, the, the question isn't at what age I want to retire. It's at what income? Ah, Yes. I could have even written that, but I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, years from now, people will be quoting Lori Pinkowski when they do their podcasts. 
Yes, there you go. Lori well, Finkowski that's... said that back in 2023. <laughs> I'm sure that's already happened 13 years or after doing the, the radio and now doing the podcast for a few years too now. There's a, there's a lot of Lori-isms out there, that's for sure. Have we done this for 13 years? We have been working together for 13 years. Wow. Yeah, first on CKNW and then Ready, Set, Retire. We started in 2009 together, John. Holy cow. Uh, uh, on the radio, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> and we'll continue to bring people retirement information and all of the, the questions that they have. We will continue to answer them as we proceed on with uh, Ready, Set, Retire, which we will do again in a couple of weeks. Awesome, John. It was great talking to you again. Good talking to you, Lori. Thanks. And that's a wrap for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire. The comments and opinions expressed in this podcast are the result of work done by Lori Pinkowski. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity's research and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord's beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp., member of the CIPF and IROC.